Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. Can you hear me, everybody? I am going. I'm on the air. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Still got music playing in my ear from the intro, so I'm hoping Bill will cut that off here shortly. My wingman. Oh, he did. Well, good morning. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Every time Windows puts in an update, we have to reconfigure all of our software at the station. So it gets a little bit confusing, but I think we've got it down now. And it looks like Bill is with me. Now, this morning, of course, there's a lot going on, and so I wanted to talk about a number of things. But you're welcome to join me if you have anything you want to bring up. I'm at 877-969-8600, 877-969-8600. And I am Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, and I hope everybody's having a good morning. I know I am. I got up early, went to bed early with a migraine, took medication Woke up at 30, 4.30, finally I got up, did some paperwork, listened to the news, and uh, when the lights came up, when the sun came up, I went outside and did some yard work. Of course, my neighbors all think I'm crazy, which may or may not be true, but it's unrelated to the fact that I needed to do some yard work. So I got that done, came in, got cleaned up, and here I am for the show. And I was thinking about all of the events of the week. And, of course, Senator McCain is the big news that he passed away last night, if you didn't know. And this was to be expected. He had what's called a glioblastoma multiforme, which is a type of brain tumor. And the time of diagnosis to death is usually about a year, and that's about what he had. There's really no good treatment for this. We can people a few months. I've seen a few, a few people get a few years with some intensive therapy. The only treatment right now is radiation and chemotherapy. Of course, you can do brain surgery and debulk the tumor, go in and cut out what you can if it's compressing other structures in the brain to give, give some relief. And the symptoms of this are motor dysfunction, inability to coordinate or stroke-like symptoms, headaches, memory impairment, different phenomena. Mostly it affects the, the motor system initially, and it's almost uniformly fatal. I don't know of anybody that's ever survived one. One to two years is about all the time you get, so this is a bad disease. What causes this? Well, there are not only nerve cells in the brain, but there's also uh, cells, white blood cells that protect against infection. There's glioma cells, which put the fatty coating around our 
our nerves, our neurons, our nerve cells. And why do they have to have a fatty, a fatty coating? Well, these are electrical wires, and so you can't have a bare electrical wire when you plug in a cord into the wall. You'll notice it has a metal or plastic coating around it. And if anybody's ever cut through that, they'll see there's copper or aluminum strands inside of it. Now, you have to have this coating around it. Otherwise, one, you'd get shocked. Number two, all the current would leak out and you wouldn't be able to conduct the electricity from one point to another effectively, efficiently. The same way with the nerve cells. They work by conducting electrical impulses down their tails and this impinges upon the next nerve. And that's how impulses, information is transmitted up and down the body to the brain and to the spinal cord. And so these cells actually do a number of things. One, they provide the fatty lining around the nerves. Number two, they act as, as protective agents against infection. They also help to keep the, the balance of pressure inside the brain and the pH, and they do other hormonal functions that help keep the brain and the nervous system alive and well and doing what it's supposed to do. So these cells can, like any cell system in the body, become cancerous and start growing out of control. And this is largely a disease of people over 50, although there's a different kind of glioblastoma that we see in kids, but it's not uh, genetically the same as what we see in adults. So this is, this is what happens as we get older. We get sick. We get cancer. We get heart disease. We, we have breakdown of our joints. Everything starts to go. Nothing's meant to last forever. And so McCain was 81, which is a good full life. And he died of a glioblastoma multiforme, which is, as I said before, a type of brain tumor that is not curable, at least not at this point in time. I had one patient who survived a few years, but he had chemotherapy wafers, and these are, these are like little thin wafers that are soaked in chemotherapy agents that were placed into the cavity where they scooped out the, uh, the tumor out of his brain, and they went in every year and, and put some wafers in. And he lasted, I think, three or four years, which was unusual. Uh, of course, he had some neurologic deficits, but his wife was happy because it gave her company, and he felt like he was loved and cared for, and she would drive him around, and they'd come down to Florida and go back to Kentucky, and I, I knew them because of my Kentucky ties. So there are ways to keep people going, but the cost-benefit uh, ratio is certainly not worth it for the the wafers in the brain, and I think we pretty much stopped doing that. The, care, the chemotherapy, the radiation, these are less invasive ways of slowing the cancer down and giving people another six or eight months, but uh, that's about all you get when you do this. So what about John McCain? You guys have heard me talk about him, and although he's uh, certainly not my favorite politician and somebody who I disagreed with throughout the years on a number of, of, of topics and items. Uh, he certainly was a respectable guy. You have to uh, have sympathy for him after what he went through being a prisoner of war at the Hanoi Hilton during the Vietnam War for five years and being beaten and tortured. 
And it certainly affected him. There's no doubt about it. It just changed the way he looked at life. He was more self-righteous. He was angry. He had a temper. Um, he would take a stand and refuse to back down. And these are good traits in some settings, but in other settings, like in the Senate, they're not always all that helpful, and they may be counterproductive because part of what we do when we go into politics is learn how to compromise. And as one politician said, you got to go along to get along. And that was Sam Rayburn, who was Speaker of the House for decades. And he's even got an office building named after him in Washington, D.C. So he was well thought of by the House of Representatives. And there's a time when we have to take a stand and make a stand. And I, I think that we're doing that in this era. And we're saying to the left, no, we're not going to go to socialism. We're not going to go to a one-party system where the apparent chief, the party heads are the ruling class and the rest of us are just the peasants who are being taken care of. That ain't going to happen. We're going to fight. But I also think there's times when your party says, as on the health care issue, we need to pull together and we need to vote for this bill. And Senator McCain would, not uncommonly, not uncharacteristically, stand up on an issue like this and say, no, I'm not going to vote for it because X, Y, or Z. I don't like this man, or I don't agree with this, or you guys are wrong and I'm right. And all these are, are expressions of anger, expressions of fear, as we've talked about before. And I did not respect Senator McCain for that, although I did respect him for the efforts he made on behalf of his state and on behalf of his belief system. I'm not sure always what that was. And one of the senators called him the conscience of the Senate, which is a nice way of saying he was self-righteous. But we have lost a hero. There's no doubt about it. What he endured during the Vietnam War his service to our country as a Navy captain and his years in the Senate. And no doubt it was a tough battle to stay in the Senate all those years and to affect all that he did and to be involved in all that he did. Now, one of his signature pieces of legislature was the, uh, the campaign finance reform bill, which later on was thrown out by the courts from what I understand and I'm not sure that it really did a whole lot other than to get people to find more devious ways of financing their campaigns. And, of course, the PACs grew astronomically, exponentially because of this. Uh, the independent advertisements for different candidates and different parties by uh, non-aligned, quote, quote, non-aligned PAC groups, which were neither Democratic nor Republican and were not paid for by a campaign such as McCain's, all these came into the fore with great vigor, by the way. <laughs> you know, these things have grown to be tremendously powerful and well-funded entities to push political agendas and to push candidates and campaigns. So I don't know that that signature piece of legislature did much 
once again, the federal government stepped in to try to correct something they thought was incorrect and ended up just making it worse. So we can praise McCain in some areas and in other areas. We have to be honest and say, you know, the guy just didn't really add that much to the situation. In fact, he took away from a number of, of, of battles that we were trying to fight on the conservative side. So it's a plus minus. We feel sorry for his family. I'm sure it's a loss to them, but the guy had led a full life, couldn't do much more. He ran for president. My goodness, he had a full life. He fought in a war. He was in the military. He was in politics. I don't know that he was ever in business and that he ever really understood what those of us who are running small businesses go through, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he did have some sympathy for us. So we wish him well in his journey wherever he's headed, and we say farewell to an American hero, John McCain. By the way, we were talking about voting last week, and I found a website called Vote411. That's V-O-T-E-411. And this will give you a voter's guide to the different candidates. And a lot of people in the midterms and even in the general elections say, I don't know who these people are running for the school board or county commission or the uh, the city council or for the state representatives and the difference, the different various judicial seats that come open. So Vote 411 is a wonderful website. And I want you to go there and you can you can put in your your zip code or your address, and it'll pull up all the the candidates and all of the various seats that are being uh, fought for, and you can see who's running for what. You can get a little blurb on each one of them, and they even have five questions that they ask a number of the candidates in different uh, different races so you can see what they have to say and who they are and it's a great way to look at some of the people that are running for judicial seats and you can figure out in a hurry if you're astute if you're intuitive you can figure out in a hurry what they stand for and what you think they will do as a member of the judiciary so these are important phenomena these are important issues, and I want you to go to Vote411, V-O-T-E-411, and put in your address or your zip code and see what the different uh, candidates, who the different candidates are for the different, uh, the different seats that they're running for in your district, and get your vote out there. Now, listen, this is important, and you can say, well, why should I bother to vote in the midterm election? That's my son. Uh, he's always throwing something back at me. I'm not interested in the midterm election. What are you talking about? This is important. This is a big deal. This is where we hang on to what we have. And if we don't, then we're going to lose the great strides that we have made in the past four years, three years. Actually, in the past decade or two, because we have replaced most of the governorships with Republicans. A lot of the state houses are now Republican-controlled. The Senate and the House, at least up until this election, are controlled by Republicans. And so it's important. And unfortunately, we have one of the lowest voter, voter turnouts of all industrialized countries, which is not a good thing. It doesn't speak.
speak well of us. And so I want to give a little pitch for why you need to vote, why we all need to get out and vote. By the way, I voted. I had a great time voting. I took the wife and, and my absentee ballots because I thought it might be a little bit too close to the election to to mail it in. And I carried it up to the courthouse annex up on 66th Street in St. Petersburg, just south of 22nd Avenue North, and you can drop it off there. There's a, a table set up with a, a voting box that's locked, and you can slide your absentee ballot in there. You can do that, I believe, up to the day of election. And that will be counted. I was assured by the women there. Now, there was a black woman and a white woman. And, of course, I had to challenge them and say, which one of you two are Republicans? And I want to know that my votes can. And so I had everybody in the place laughing. I went into one of my uh, shticks and uh, doing a little dance. And the women, and they said, you made our day. And the, the secretary at the for the county at the desk there, she's laughing and giving me a thumbs up. And so this is this is important, and it's something that's fun. It's something that we can get into. It's something that's serious. It's a way to communicate with our fellow citizens, agree or disagree. we got to get along. Again, we want to avoid a civil war, although I think it might be uh, uh, inevitable and unavoidable. Hopefully not. But we also want to honor the people who founded our country and who fought so hard for the right to vote. I mean, there were a lot of people that were affected by our Civil War. I mean, our Revolutionary War. Our Revolutionary War, 65 million people were touched by this. People in the colonies, people in Great Britain, people in Germany, people in France. This became a world war. Our little revolution turned into a world war. And Benjamin Franklin challenged us all. He said, following the close of the Constitutional Convention, he was asked, what have we got, a republic or a monarchy? And he answered, a republic, if you can keep it. But the only way we can keep it is to vote. If you want a monarchy, then give up, let the left vote their people in, and basically you'll have a monarchy. Do you want a monarchy? Do you want Hillary Clinton deciding what your health care benefits will be? Do you want Hillary Clinton deciding how your tax dollars will be spent, whether they'll be spent on education, whether they'll be spent on protecting our borders, um, upgrading our infrastructure, or whether they'll be spent on welfare and on aiding and assisting illegal immigrants to come to our country and survive uh, reasonably comfortably here? So you have to decide what you want and if what you want is what I want, then get your butt out there and vote the conservative slate. Now, let me ask you this. How do you want your money spent? It's your tax dollars. And you say, well, it doesn't really matter because I vote Republican and they do what I don't want them to do anyway. Well, then you vote them out the next time and you vote for somebody else. And remember, just because we want something doesn't mean it's always going to work. Just because we think in our relationship with our wife that our way of doing something is better than her way, that doesn't mean that it is better. And we may have to compromise and see how her way works. And we may have to admit from time to time, of course, we don't want to do this too frequently or we'll give the spouse too big of a head, but sometimes we have to admit that they're right. 
And we also have to pick our fights. We've got to choose our battles. What's important and what isn't? Let me ask you, are you concerned about crime? Are you concerned about terrorism, national security, and our national integrity? If you are, then you better get out and vote. You better vote for the candidate that's going to represent you and your concerns in this area. This is a big concern of a lot of Americans. Are we safe? Is terrorism in check? Do we have borders? Do we have national security? Do we have a strong military? Are we open to attack? What about the economy? Is this important to you? What about your job? How you doing? Have you got a job? Do you have opportunities? Can you move up? It's a booming economy, and it's a job seeker's market. So you can find something that's paying better with better benefits if you go looking because there's a lot of employers out there, and I know because I'm looking for employees, and they're just not available. There's just not enough people out there. So if the economy is booming, if the, the economy is growing, if unemployment is low, you have more economic opportunities. You have the ability to uh, barter, to uh, bargain for more benefits in your workplace. How far will your dollar go? How far can you send your dollar? Well, if there's inflation, this can destroy all your hard work. This can make your dollar that last week bought a loaf of bread, now buy only a half a loaf of bread this week. And if you think it can't happen, look at Argentina at the turn of the last century. It was one of the most prosperous and per capita richest countries in the world, and it has done nothing but gone downhill because of bad economic policies, bad politics, despots, one-party systems, fascism, whatever you want to call it. Look at Venezuela now. Somehow, and by the way, with the help of the Obama administration, Maduro and his gang have taken over, and now they have a one-party system. They call it socialism, communism. Come on, it's fascism. That's all it is. It's a one-party system with a strong man at the top, and they decide which industries will get the nod and which industries won't. And so Venezuela is basically in a free fall. They devalued their currency. They've got a 1,000% plus inflation going on. They're in an economic tailspin. People can't get out fast enough. The borders to the countries around them are closing because they can't handle all the refugees streaming in from Venezuela. The people don't have guns, by the way. Only the military has guns. Another reason to keep the Second Amendment. So they can't really revolt because they have no way. And the whole system is just in a free fall. So if you're concerned about your dollar, about inflation, about not having a single-party system, you better get out there and vote. More than one great nation has been destroyed by economic policies, recklessness, a small band of people thinking they know what's best for the majority of us, whether it's here in the United States with the little Democratic gangs, or whether it's in China with the Maoist gangs, 
or in Venezuela with Maduro or in uh, Cuba with the Castro gang. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Get out and vote. What about health care? We want affordable health care. How are we going to get that? The government has interfered to the point where health care has become unaffordable for a, a large minority of Americans. And I've said that at this point, I don't see any other way out of it than to expand Medicaid. Although I think the best way is to get the government completely out of medicine and medical insurance, get them all the way out, and let the free market take take its course. And I think that prices would go up for a few years, but I think you'd see them start to drop precipitously as the marketplace took over and competition kicked in. But I'm not sure that people will be able to tolerate those four or five years of of chaos that would come in any transition from a tightly controlled and regulated industry to one that's operating more on free market principles. So I think we're going to have to expand Medicaid. I don't see any way around that. But we have to figure out how we get to fund it, who should get Medicaid, and what the benefits should be. And all these things are important, but they're not going to happen in any meaningful way unless we vote in people that we know are going to be fiscally conservative, conscientious in their votes, studious, and deeply concerned about you and me as citizens. I guarantee you, Hillary Clinton doesn't give a damn about you or me. She does not care. She made that perfectly clear. She called us a basket of deplorables. I'm a deplorable? Come on, I'm a doctor. I've worked hard all my life. I'm always working hard. I got up at 6 this morning and went out in the yard and worked. What's deplorable about that? I've built my own house. I've built two or three businesses. I've rehabbed offices. I've employed hundreds of people. I've touched thousands and thousands of lives. I've indirectly affected millions of people. I'm a deplorable? Is this what we want? I don't think so. So it's important, it's vital that you get out and vote. And even if the person that you vote for in the primaries doesn't get it, let's say you're voting for DeSantis and the other guy gets it, Still, you've got two conservatives, and it's better in the long run that we have a conservative in the governorship. It's better that we have Rick Scott in the Senate than to have Bill Nelson. And although that vote doesn't come up until November, still now reflects on how we will perform in November. So this is kind of like... getting ready for the race. This is uh, a warm-up lap. So you get out there and you do it. You get out there and you jog to the polls. And if you don't want to stand in line and you've still got your absentee ballot, fill it out tonight, drop it off tomorrow. There's early voting, too. Now, I'm not sure when the polls open for early voting. Bill can give us that at halftime. 
he gave us that last week. But there's still opportunities if you don't want to stand in line. And if you go very early in the morning or late in the evening, usually the lines aren't that long, especially at the midterm elections. So get out there and vote. By the way, can we can control government corruption? How are we going to control the corruption in the FBI if we don't have people in power in the House and in the Senate and in the White House who are going to call down these bad boys and girls and boot them out and get them out of the FBI, get them out of the Department of Justice? How are we going to do that if we don't have our people in there, people who we reasonably believe will act in our best interest. That's why we're voting for them. And if they don't, we'll boot them out next next election cycle. Can we control our government corruption? Not 100%. Of course not. There's always going to be a scoundrel that'll get away with it. But you know what? We can decrease government corruption. We can control and get rid of some of the criminals and scumbags. We did it in 2016. We kept Hillary and her gang of thieves out. Don't stop now. Do not stop now. Get out there and vote and make sure that those people who are dishonest, who are disrespective, who are dismissive of you and me, don't have the power. Don't stop now. Don't let them get the power. That is not what we want. We want to maintain our control of the situation, our control of the House and the Senate, of the State House. We want to control all those aspects so that we can call down those who are bad actors. Even in our own parties, we have to be able to call them down, and we have to be able to say, you can't do this. You can't do this. You're gone. You're history. So let's think about it. Let's plan for our future. Do we have enough? Do we have enough in savings? Do we have enough food storage? Do we have enough plans for future farming, for energy, for maintaining our resources, for our health care, for our retirement, our education? There's a lot to consider. There's a lot to consider. So... While I go grab a cup of Joe, I want you guys to make sure that you have your absentee ballot in hand and that you're filling it out as we talk and that you're planning on where you're going to go and drop it off if you're in Pinellas or Hillsboro or Pasco or Hernando or Manatee or Polk County or any of the counties in the area. I want you to find out. It's easy to do. You just got to go on your computer or call your local uh, county courthouse annex and find out where to go to drop off your ballot or to vote early it's no big deal no big deal i'll be right back i'm dr bill you guys hang in there because you don't want to miss a word i have to say oh boy are you with me billy boy you know it all right man i'll be right back With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Tributes flowing in today for Senator John McCain, who passed away yesterday at the age of 81. People in Vietnam are remembering the senator as having played an important role in normalizing relations between their country and the U.S. McCain was captured in 1967 when he parachuted into Hanoi's Truk Bak Lake after his Navy aircraft was shot down during a bombing mission. 
He spent over five years being tortured in the prison known as the Hanoi Hilton. Officials say a fire in a Chicago neighborhood has left eight people dead, including six children. The fire commissioner says one of the kids who was killed was an infant. The cause of the blaze not determined. Firemen called to a house in the city's Little Village neighborhood about 4 a.m. this morning. And the big hurricane is finally moving off of Hawaii. It devastated the Big Island, left the others largely untouched. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384. 7-2-7-3-8-4-6-4-1-1. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. I'm Phil Grandy at philsgang.com. You know, most people have been watching the stock market go up, up, and up. There's one problem. When you get out... Most people don't get out in time. Well, I've solved that. With my video stock program, I pick the stock, put it on the video, tell you when to get in and when to get out. Join my video program. Find out more at philsgang.com or call 877-600-GANG. That's 877-600-4264. Been very happy with the results on 2018. I'm, I'm up over about 15% for the year. Phil has definitely kept me informed on a day-to-day basis on the ups and downs in the market. I've been extremely happy with everything that they've done and afforded me by becoming a Phil's Gang member. I would highly recommend joining Phil's Gang. For more information, go to philsgang.com or give us a call at 877-600-GANG. That's 877-600-4264. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. That rich aroma starts filling up the room. Let's me know I'm one day closer. Only getting home to you. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Today we'll have some sun and turning cloudy with a thunderstorm in a couple of spots this afternoon. High 91. Look for shower thunderstorm in spots this evening. Otherwise mostly cloudy tonight with a low of 74. Partly cloudy tomorrow with a thunderstorm in spots late in the afternoon. High 92. Then partly cloudy Tuesday. Thunderstorm in the afternoon. High 91. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Holly Holdren for AM860 The Answer.
And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, a little bit of player and baby come back. Begging you guys to come back to me. Don't leave me, whatever you do. Well, this is kind of a hodgepodge of a show, and you're welcome to jump in and voice your two cents worth here at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. I am your Dr. Bill. I'm your only Radio MD. I'm the only one you need and the only one you should listen to. Hey, listen, I, I got a call from Bill, my wingman here, uh, during the week, and he said he had a friend, Jennifer T., I won't give her last name, who had had all kinds of health problems for all of her life, and he wanted to know if I would be willing to talk to her. And, of course, I generally don't talk to patients uh, who I haven't seen in the office uh, for a number of reasons, but because it's my wingman, Bill, of course, I, I had to. And uh, Jennifer has had a lot of problems, allergies, autoimmune problems, different things, and she has felt that she's been misdiagnosed over the years and not sure what's going on. And so the latest thing is one of her doctors gave her a gluten-free diet or some kind of a diet, and the, the diet du jour. Now, listen, there's a ton of these diets that come out every year. This is not new. It's been going on since the beginning of time. I'm sure that even in the caveman days, Oog and Og fought over whether or not deer meat was better than uh, buffalo meat. But at any rate, I, I got this. I get this all the time. Gluten-related diseases. Now, listen. There's not many diseases that are related to gluten. By the way, gluten is a protein in wheat and certain other grains. And gluten uh, is involved with celiac disease and gluten ataxia. These are rare conditions. They affect less than one percent of the population. They're real diseases. And uh, if you have a problem. A GI problem. You need to see a competent GI doctor to get worked up. We can do some testing for celiac disease. Uh, we can even do a scope and a, a pinch biopsy of your small intestines to see what's going on. But there's a, a lot of people that have, have adopted these gluten-free lifestyles. And this is a big business. This is $15.5 billion in business on retail sales of gluten-free foods in 2016. I wish I had about 10% of that, Bill. I could retire. So the gluten-free diet is driven by a bunch of, of things, including social and traditional media coverage, and the media picks up on this stuff. And listen, if you met all the reporters, all the news people, all the newscasters, all of the newspaper people I've met over the years and had talked to them, you'd realize these are not the brightest lamps on the block for the most part. They don't understand and they don't know. They report. They are into the sensationalism. And so if something comes out that, that Joe Blow got better when he stopped eating gluten, that his eczema cleared up and his joints felt better, doesn't matter what else was going on in his life, and we don't really know because that's not reported, then they jump on this and becomes the, the, uh, the re news report of the day, the item of the day. So there's been a lot of media coverage, aggressive consumer-directed marketing by manufacturers, by retailers, by restaurateurs, and reports in the medical literature and mainstream press of the clinical benefits of gluten avoidance. Now, I've tried a little bit of this in my practice. The only people I've seen benefit are a subset of people who have uh, psoriasis 
and psoriatic arthritis, psoriasis and the arthritis that it causes. Psoriasis is an autoimmune disease. It gives you those silver plaques of skin on your on your knees and your elbows and your wrists, different parts of your body. You can get it in your scalp. Some people do respond. Some people do respond. Now, Jennifer, Bill's friend, said that she had tried this and that and this and that, and so far she hadn't seen anything that had really given her the kind of relief she thought she should have from her autoimmune disease process. So does this work? Well, it works in a very small percentage of, of people with a very small percentage of diseases. And there's even emerging evidence show, that shows that gluten avoidance may hurt some people, that you may not get some of the nutrients that you would otherwise because, because we become a culture that is dependent upon grains for a lot of our our sustenance, a lot of our calorie intake, and some of our proteins, and some of our fats, and uh, some of our antibodies, and all these things are important. So there are reasons to avoid gluten. If you have certain diseases, if you have some of these very uh, rare phenomena, now there may be a disease of gluten-sensitive irritable bowel syndrome, but you may also end up with deficiencies of some of the micronutrients and a decrease in the fiber in your diet because a lot of the fiber we get are from grains, you know, from whole wheats and uh, whole grains that we eat. There's gluten sensitivities, celiac. There's questions of schizophrenia or other health, mental health conditions being influenced by gluten. I haven't seen any evidence of that. Allergies. So there's a number of conditions. Fibromyalgia. Uh, we don't have any real proof that fibromyalgia has uh, a root cause in gluten or gluten sensitivity. I mean, this is a disease process that was just uh, recently named a disease in, in my career during my lifetime. And we don't even know if eliminating gluten from the diet may give you an increase in, in the artery disease to your heart. Endometriosis, which is a phenomena where women have the lining of the uterus uh, migrate outside of the uterus up the fallopian tubes and into the abdomen and different parts of the body, and it can be very painful and debilitating. And the increased financial cost of a gluten-free diet without any clear evidence that it does anything is not worth it at this point. Athletic performance, I don't think anybody has seen any evidence that Eliminating gluten from your diet will increase your athletic performance. So I just want to say that there are a lot of fads that come and go. There's a lot of things out there that uh, the public glums on to and that at this point in time, it's, it's, it's the disease du jour or the treatment du jour. And, of course, it's nonsense. You remember back in the 90s when these two crazy English physicians made a claim that the diphtheria tetanus uh, pertussis vaccine caused 
autism in kids, and of course that's all been debunked, and they even admitted that they lied, and uh, at least one of them lost his license to practice medicine. I don't know if he ever got it back. And now we're looking at vitamin D deficiency in pregnant women as a possible cause of, uh, of autism. And, you know, I've got doctor friends here in the neighborhood who come by with a family that they befriended who who have an autistic kid, and they're all hot on immunizations causing autism. Like, dude, you're a doctor. Come on, you're you're a board-certified neurosurgeon. What are you talking about? So there's all this uh, urban lore and misinformation that gets out into the mainstream, and it takes what takes a year or two to get out and to become some kind of sensational fallacy takes a decade or two to undo. So we have to put on our thinking caps and our, our, our common sense and say, wait a minute. Humans have been eating gluten for 10,000 years now. And not only have we thrived and prospered and have increased our numbers exponentially, but we're living longer, we're healthier, we're bigger, we're stronger, we're smarter. Wait a minute. We've been eating gluten all these years, and it's such a terrible thing. How come we're doing so much better? And that's not to say that it's because of gluten, but it is to say that there are just a lot of fallacies out there, and we have to be very careful about what we glum onto and consider as a potential medical fact or truth when it is not. And that's why I keep telling everybody you've got to use research. You've got to do the proper research. You've got to do the double-blind, placebo-controlled crossover studies that actually look at what works and what doesn't in a scientific way. That's all I'm going to say about that. And now I'm going to move on to my last topic, which is the cry from the Democrats that Russia and China are going to take us over and that they're interfering with all of our our elections and our technology and they're stealing everything from us and they're not stealing anything we're giving it to them we're giving it to them the jewish side of the family has been instrumental in giving away our scientific secrets to the russians for decades ever since the the uh, atomic bomb we've been giving them material my my jewish side of the family Catholic side of the family, I don't know if we're that smart that we can understand and give away all that stuff, but we probably got a few Catholics that have snuck in there and given away a few things, too. And by the way, when you have Jews and Catholics that are so integral to running the country and to being in politics and to, I mean, look at the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is Jewish and Catholic. Gorsuch is an Episcopal, but he was raised Catholic. And so you got the top court in the land that is the Jewish and Catholic side of the family. So I got both sides of the family in there. So listen, the Chinese and the Russians are not coming in here and stealing things. We're giving them to, we're giving it to them. The Clintons gave and Obama gave the Chinese technology. We've invited Chinese kids to come in here and study. They're not stealing technology. They're studying at Stanford and Caltech and MIT, and they're taking the knowledge that they learned and they're going home and putting it to use for the benefit of their country, their military. 
how big a threat is China? China traditionally has not sought influence outside of its Asian sphere. And we hear from the Democrats that they're going into, into and the, the moderate Republicans like Bush, that they're going into sub-Saharan Africa, and they're going to take over, and they're going to uh, have sway and influence over this huge market of sub-Saharan Africans. Give me a break. Give me a break. Come on. Let them fool with it for a while. How much money have we thrown at sub-Saharan Africa only to see the majority of it going into the pockets of the people who are in power. There we are back again to what I was saying, the one-party system, which, by the way, the Democrats understand, and that's why they're willing to give our money away to these one-party systems in sub-Saharan Africa. And so there's tons of money and resources going to countries, and there's kids starving. What is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. The money's going from our one-party system, our Democrats and our liberal Republicans, into their one-party systems, which is whoever's in power at the time, whether it's the capitalists, the communists, or the Muslims. And they're all doing the same thing. They're lining their own pockets with whatever they can get. And I talked with a woman who was raised in uh, sub-Saharan Africa in the Congo. Her parents were missionaries. And I said, what's the problem here? She said, it's such a tribal culture that that tribe has been on the outs for so long and when they get in what they say is well you know what these guys have been stealing from us for generations now it's our turn and we're going to steal back and that's what they do and we see tribalism not only in sub-saharan africa we saw it in europe it's still going on the europeans are still struggling and fighting each other the slovaks is represented by the Russians, and the Teutons is represented by the Germans and all the tribes up and down the Rhine. They're still all fighting each other, either politically or economically or indirectly through proxy wars like the Ukraine. So it's not unique to sub-Saharan Africa, but the Chinese are not going to take over the United States. They're not going to take over the world. They're not even interested in it. They have their own internal problems. And the fact that they have our technology is not because they've come in here and stolen anything. It's because we gave it to them. We said, here, have some technology. Bring your kids over here. We'll teach them. We even invited them to come in and look at the uh, anti-missile missiles we were placing in South Korea when the North Koreans started launching their ICBMs. We said to the Chinese, come in and look at them. Come on. Well, the Chinese, their big beef was, you're going to turn these on us and use them on our missiles. And, uh, you know, we're saying, no, we're not. These are limited-range radar-controlled missiles, and they don't have that far of a, of, a, of a reach. And you can come in and look at them and inspect them. Well, of course, the Chinese are going to say, oh, sure, we'd love to. Of course they would. They come in and see what the technology is. Say, hell, we can make those. We can make them better and cheaper, and they can. So in this post-perestroika collapse of the Soviet Union, the Chinese leaders have learned that political reform is necessary and socioeconomic reform is necessary, or they're going to have a revolution. 
this is not new. This is something the Chinese uh, ruling class has struggled with for 2,300 years. If they don't produce economically, if their people aren't happy, aren't well-fed, and aren't doing well and feeling safe and secure, just like any other population, they're going to get overthrown. Now, in China, getting overthrown means you're going to get killed if you're the emperor. You're going to be taken out back and have your head chopped off. And this is what happens. This is what happened with the communists. This is what happened with the monarchists. This is what happened with the imperial rulers of China. I mean, if you didn't do it, if you didn't perform, then out back you go. And China is not a unified country. It's a conglomeration of countries. Yes, they have one language. Yes, they're primarily Han, uh, genetically, uh, ethnically. And yes, they're, they're, they're holding together. And yes, they have great love and pride in their country. I know. I talk to them all the time. And uh, I have nothing but admiration for how far the Chinese have come in such a short period of time. But they have their shortcomings. They have their short-sightedness. They have their limited vision. And a single-party system is one way in which they're displaying that. Uh, They've fallen back to their old ways of imperialism and monarchism. And I don't think it's going to work for them in the long haul. And I think that the healthier and better educated the Chinese become, the more difficult it's going to be to maintain the kind of monolithic one-party system that our left-wing Democrats so envy and so want to implement here. And China's been a unified country off and on for 2,300 years, so don't think they don't have history. They do, and they know how to do it, but the world has changed and can they do it in a way that will keep their people happy? I was uh, texting one of my saleswomen over in China working on my, on my pharmaceutical formula, and I said, do you guys have Google yet? She says, oh, yeah, we got Google. Now, when I was there, they didn't have Google. When I was there a few years ago, they did not have it. They got it now. Now, it, there may be restrictions on it, but they also have WhatsApp, so they can communicate with you and me and the whole world with WhatsApp. They can call you. They can text you. They can send you pictures. So you know what? Their world is changing, and it is changing at the speed of light. And you and I have a way to affect that by being as open as we can with what we have. And that doesn't mean that we give away all of our technology, but what it does mean is that we give away our ideas and our ideals. And that is very important to me, that we continue to disseminate Americanism, American ideals, and the American way of life all over the world. That's what we need to be concerned about, not about our technology being stolen, but about our good things not being left. Well, we're getting close to the end here. Looks like I've got about 10 seconds, so I'm going to tell you guys, love you, goodbye, I'll see you next week. This is your only doctor.